to A Seat at the Table, a podcast bringing together feminism, dinner parties, music and food. I'm Alex, your host, the creator of Spare Ribs Club, an intersectional feminist book and supper club, which explores feminism and social justice through literature, art, music and food. Each episode, I invite our guests to take us through their perfect feminist dinner party, three feminist icons as dinner guests, three courses and three tunes being played on repeat. This week, I'm very pleased to welcome Kathy Ray. Kathy is a writer covering disability politics and culture. She writes regularly for The Guardian and has also written for Glamour, Radio Times and The Independent. She's appeared on national and local radio and TV, on numerous live panels and talk shows, and contributed chapters about disability to three books this year, including Gina Martin's No Offence But. She has two children and lives near London. Thank you so much, Kathy, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, let's get started. Which three guests are you inviting over for your dream feminist dinner party? This was so hard because I wanted to pick people. I kept dithering and I wanted to pick people ultimately that I haven't met. Mm. Even, um, regardless of, even though I'm running this risk of like, would they be good at a dinner party? Like, would they actually be good to sit down and have a conversation with? Would they open up? Um, so yeah, I've chose people I wouldn't haven't met, and also the other risk is that these three people, to my knowledge, don't know of each other or don't know each other, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know whether or not they get along. But anyway, uh, that's in their hands. So uh, I chose the actor Peter Dinklage, um, who you probably know of. He's been in numerous uh, series and films, um, including Game of Thrones, and he has dwarfism like I do. I chose him because I. it is no secret that I admire him a lot. I can identify with quite a lot of... It sound, it's going to sound creepy if I'm saying it, but I'm just going to say it. I can identify with the way he moves in the world. And that's not just uh, like literally because he moves as somebody who has dwarfism. I can identify with how that has shaped the way he moves in the world slightly. Um and there's just something about him that I just I would like to be in his presence to get to know him a bit more and to see if I'm kind of right in that way in in the in in the in this idea in my head that I've built up that we have quite a bit of shared experience um I also think that he's a really intriguing person and he absolutely hates like the limelight and attention so I'm probably never going to meet him as a journalist but I would love to just I don't know hang out with him and see what he's like hang out meet his kids and yeah just I don't know hang out um and a setting like this is quite nice because we don't have to talk about him we can just talk as a group and uh yeah so I really wanted to to put him in my mix um and then I chose uh, Alice Wong because I absolutely love her autobiography, Disability, Visibility. Um, oh, I've forgotten the long title. It does have a long title. Um, but uh, I think it's something like The Year of the Tiger. Um, she has had such an interesting life and she is so good at storytelling, uh, telling her own story. Um, and in her book, you know, she's got loads of photos of when she was growing up 
Uh, she's an Asian woman. She's disabled. Uh, she talks a lot about that intersectionality. And, um, yeah, I just find her her way of writing and her way of looking at the world really interesting. She's not, like, kind of... She's not here to, like, educate or she's not feeling embittered. She's just kind of sharing her her story and it, it feels really um really honest and really humble and I just feel like she would be a great person to have dinner with I don't feel like the people I've chosen don't really have much as far as I can see much in the way of ego and um and I want to learn from that <laughs> I guess <laughs> Because I definitely do have a bit of an ego sometimes, um, but I'm I'm attracted to people that don't have much of an ego, or at least are very uncomfortable with the idea of of that, or are working on it, or whatever. So, and I think I'm naturally drawn to these people for the same reason. So that's Alice. Um, also, Alice is she knows so much about disability history. She's recorded so many disabled people's stories via her disability website disability visibility website and podcast and things like that and uh yeah just love love listening to her she's a great interviewer as well so I feel like she'd be great to have a conversation with and then my final one I chose uh Erica Hart um who I'm similarly never gonna meet um I'm sure they live in the US um and they've recently had a baby and they're exploring that um kind of new intersection among their multiple other intersections that they have being um, a black non-binary queer person um, who is also a breast cancer survivor and um, I find the way that she talks about her life and talks about politics really really interesting I I know like I know that no two people are ever the same but certainly from what they've shared on on social media and stuff I've never disagreed with anything they've said and they've taught me so much um and I'd love to have them at the table because I just think that they I think that they bring a level of wisdom that I could only like ever aspire to but I also think they're really fun like they they constantly like take videos of them dancing and they tell really funny jokes and they're able to make fun of themselves and you know I, I just think that that's that's great and uh, I love people who are like that um so those are my three guests but as I said no idea if they get along but I feel like they might do I feel <laughs> like they might do. I have a feeling they would I follow Erica Hart on Instagram as well and um, mm-hmm. and have done for a, for a while and I thought yeah they're they're an incredible force of <laughs> force of nature to be honest the um the amount of activism and so many different intersecting uh, things they do is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and of course, kind of grew up with Peter Dinklage as on on the big screen. So um, yeah, I will definitely listen to Alice as well. Um, how do you think? Where? So sorry. Where is this being held? This dinner party is it in your house or are you? renting somewhere oh I didn't think about this question um <laughs> it's definitely not at my place because that's embarrassing they all have <laughs> more money than I do and I have this tiny little dingy place so yes yeah, definitely not here um overlooking the sea 
because we're having seafood um in our starter i would like to be near the sea because it's going to be fresh um so yeah somewhere somewhere overlooking the sea we're not having a picnic or anything so maybe it's a restaurant and we're sitting outside and there's a beach right there something like that what tunes are going to be on repeat all evening i chose sigur ross uh the song gold i also chose tracy chapman crossroads and sinead o'connor their emperor's new clothes um now uh i think all three of those people are incredible artists in their own right sigur ross is a a group of, of musicians as well but um, I also wanted to choose them because I think they'd be they're great background music for um for an event. They're not necessarily like oh you have to listen um or it's it's too, so piercing that you have to be completely involved in the music. Uh, you can kind of turn it down and listen to it, and also it wouldn't get too annoying on repeat. I hope. Sigur Ross, I listened to a lot in my twenties. Um, I really. The way that music, their music, makes me feel is really unique. It's so calming. And um, and also, I don't know if it's the Icelandic vibe, but, like, I, I feel like because I was having a seafood starter, I just felt like it was perfect to have Sigurós playing. Um, and it's a good kind of, yeah, a good backdrop for that on the beach. Um, yeah, so they... They were big in my 20s and I, they were the group that I went to when I needed to kind of calm down a bit or just disconnect rather. So sometimes I'll just lie on my bed and um, I let the music wash over me and not much, there isn't, I love music, but there aren't many artists I can say that consistently about and Sigurós I can. Um and then Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman always reminds me of my dad. They have nothing in common. But um, when I was young, he used to play Tracy Chapman quite a lot. Um, so it's quite nice to have choose somebody that reminds me of somebody that I'm close to. Um, and I've also played Tracy Chapman a lot for my kids as well. So I feel like Tracy's like a family artist for us. And somebody that I would want to be around if I was curating anything musical. Um, I love her music. I love her voice and I love what she stands for um, in her words as well. I think she has so many important messages and um, her politics is really inspiring. And yeah, her, her music's just great. Her music's perfect for long drives and dinner settings I think um, although I might be tempted to sing along so that's c- partly why I chose a song that is less well known to me as well um, because I don't I don't want to start singing in the middle of dinner <laughs> in front of all these people that I really admire um, so yeah that was that one and then um, the third one Sinead O'Connor has been Sinead's been a recent rediscovery of me I knew her before, I knew of her work before she died, but I'd only kind of, it would only been the top couple of hits that she'd had um, that really 
that I knew well. Nothing compares to you and Mandinka. Um, and then in her death, I started listening to her, or after her death, rather, I started listening to her properly, um, like really going through her albums track by track. And I just thought, wow, this person is incredible. And I watched her documentary as well. Um, and um, uh, like Tracy, uh, I've found Sinead's politics really inspiring, how honest she was in her songs, um, how much she stood up for what she believed in and and how what she believed in was was love and freedom for everyone and and the same rights for everybody and stuff, you know, just this stuff that we, people who believe the same thing uh, kind of think is basic, but so many people lack that belief. Um, and um, yeah, and so I've just been listening to her a lot more and her songs are so emotive and so powerful. And I, I understand why she never found huge mainstream success but was really popular and um, it's because her words really speak to you and they don't do that in a pop way but they do that just in how raw they are um, and so yeah I chose one of her songs again I chose one that's less um, less popular uh, and also one that's a little bit more kind of mellow than some of her songs where she's where she's really passionately speaking or singing because of the vibe of the dinner setting. But I, I wanted to include her because she's made a big impact on my life just over the last couple of months. And, um, yeah, I think what an incredible woman. What are you serving to yourself? This I'm so excited about. So when I was young, um, my I, li I grew up on the North Norfolk coast and we had seafood a lot, and we especially had gravlax which is a form of smoked salmon I don't know if it's a posher form maybe it is but when I was young smoked salmon wasn't really eaten by the lower middle classes and <laughs> it was it was a posh people food and um and very occasionally my parents would source some and we would have it and I just thought it was the most delicious thing ever this gravlax and um and it, it, it tastes pretty much the same as smoked salmon, but it was, my memory of it is that it was so much nicer. And maybe that's because it was much fresher because of where we lived. But also, like, it had this, like, herb edge, like, with dill on it and salt. And that was really nice. And then, um, and then sometimes you'd get it with, like, a little sauce. And the sauce was really good as well. And some fresh brown bread. So, obviously, you have to have it with really fresh bread. And I would choose brown bread because I feel like brown bread is really good with seafood. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> but maybe that's just my memory of it. And, uh, yeah, so I had to include that. But then I also love other seafood. I love squid, mussels. We used to eat a lot in North Norfolk as well. I love oysters um, and scallops as well. And yeah, so I think a big seafood platter that we can all kind of dig into and get messy with. Um, with our bread and dipping our bread in the sauce of the seafood oh definitely very tasty delicious I think um, that, that's one of my favorite starters as well for sure do you, <laughs> will you have kind of like little accompaniments with each of the 
the seafood so I, you said kind of sauce with a gravelac maybe no no I would put it all in a big I wouldn't have that sauce because it, it if it's really fresh and really good it, it speaks for itself yeah yeah it, it doesn't need anything else so I wouldn't but saying that I might put a little bit of Tabasco on the oysters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and lemon obviously throughout but like apart from that I would keep it really plain nice just keeping it for the seafood alone how about, yeah um how about drinks what are you serving your guests um so we're gonna have hmm, what are we gonna have We'll have white wine with the starter, I think. Um, I'm assuming that my guests drink alcohol. I don't know if they do. If not, like apple ties. I love apple ties. So the main course is uh, pasta. Super easy, but it's fresh pasta, right? And so it's really good, like proper authentic stuff with fresh pesto. And... Um, and just like some parmesan cheese or whatever. I'm not a huge main course person. I love picky bits and I love starters. And whenever I go to a restaurant, I always think the starters sound way more exciting than the main course. Um, so I don't. That's not my feature point. The starter is my star. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pasta is going to be good, but it's going to be simple and um, and not showy, and not huge. Um. So, yeah, that's what I would have for my main. Um, and then I really should have had lunch before having this chat. I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I For my dessert, I went for beetroot chocolate cake. I'm not a huge dessert person either, but I because I don't really like very, very sweet things, but I really like beetroot in cake, um, which is weird because I don't like beetroot any other way. But I just think the texture of it, and, uh, and it does something, it offsets the the kind of cloying nature of chocolate sometimes and um and makes it just really nice and so I wanted to have beetroot chocolate cake it's also something I would never ever make myself um so yeah I would have it in this and I'd maybe pair that with a little brandy or something Um, so you've had your food you're sipping a brandy what do you think the topics of conversation be? I want to talk about silly stuff. Like, I want to talk about, I don't know, what they ate for dinner the previous night mm-hmm. or um, what their favourite thing is about their garden or something like that. I want to talk about the silly, silly stuff, but I also really want to delve into... I'm, I'm so curious about all three of those people and how the way how they came to be who they are and, and how they came to have the worldview that they do. And so obviously that's not a question I'm going to ask because how do you even answer that? But I just want, kind of want to know more about maybe about their childhoods or about, yeah, things that have shaped their kind of history and and their perspective. Um, and I want to know about how, especially in the case of, so this kind of this is different for each guest but for Erica particularly I would want to know like how they always manage to come from a place of love um now Erica has like from what I can see has really strong boundaries and isn't afraid to call out bullshit but their work ultimately comes from love 
and in the face of all the crap that they and the barriers and the systemic racism and ableism and transphobia and queerphobia that they and their family experience um like I want to know how they keep going through that and how they keep coming from that love and yeah I just want to kind of talk about that with them and uh and then with Alice I think I'd want to really talk about what their life looks like or what her life looks like now because uh, I don't really know and um whether she's working or whether she's um able like what she's finding joy in doing and stuff like that um I'd just be curious to know and she talks quite a lot in her memoir about um about as I said her childhood and stuff but she also like references uh pieces of pop culture that were relevant in at her in her childhood and that had an impact and so I guess I, I want to know how she connects with pop culture now and what she like what she does or what she watches or what she's into um I'd like to I'd like to talk about that and then explore if we have any similarities or things that we both don't like or think, things like that um and then with Peter there's so much because he's so uh he doesn't really share himself in the same way that the other two do he doesn't have social media or anything and doesn't really share about his private life but I guess with him I would really want to talk about I'd have to be so careful because I can't put him off too much because he hates sharing about himself right and so I'd have to find out a different way (laughs) I'd have have to be like oh you know when this thing happened to me uh you know I did this and then it felt like this and and see if he kind of took the bait and was like oh yeah yeah that happened to me too I was like I don't know no I wouldn't want to be conniving but I guess with him I would be a little bit more cautious because because he has said so many times that he doesn't like talking about his personal life and stuff so I would let him lead the conversation and it may well be that he is somebody that's more of an active listener rather than somebody that contributes more um which is fine but yeah so those are the and then obviously I would see how how the others um responded and reacted to the things we were bringing up as well but yeah is it the kind of dinner party where you're uh kind of chatting late into the night or is it the kind where you it's the kind where we're we're chatting late into the night I don't want to move from where we are we're, <laughs> we're like at the edge of the you know we're like overlooking a beautiful beach it's wonderful weather mm-hmm. we're just relaxing there I don't want to feel stressed about moving on and I'm not a party person so I don't want to go to a party or anything um and I'm also not a I don't like being in big groups, like three is, is perfect, but bigger than that. And I start to get a bit like, ah, there's too many people, too many variables, too much stimulation. So, um, yeah, staying in that one setting is perfect for me. I mean, you've watched the sunset, you've had your food, you've had your alcohol. Yeah, the candles are out now. Yeah, you're just... We're, kind of we're just sitting and chatting, yeah. yeah. That sounds like a lovely dinner party. I 
would love to ask you some more questions about kind of your wider career and, and your uh, activism. What does feminism mean for you as a queer disabled woman? I don't really know what feminism means anymore. I think I thought I knew. But I think it's changed. And I don't think it, it meant something good before. I feel like feminism has been so... I feel like it's so wrapped up in capitalist and corporate stuff now that it's quite hard to think of it as something that is truly a radical thing and something that doesn't need to be monetized or exploited or or something where one group has to suffer. There was definitely a long time I kind of thought, well, if feminism wins, then men have to suffer. And then I realised, no, no, that's not what it means. It means that, you know, that, that we live in a world where there's true equity or whatever. But I don't want equity under this current system of, of the way the world operates. I want, I'm more interested in tearing apart the, the system of way, the way the world operates than making myself equal within it. Um, and so to me, feminism doesn't really mean that much anymore because I want to work with people who want to completely start again. Does that make sense? Where everybody is, yeah, equal or equitable by nature, but, but from the ground up. I think that definitely makes sense and I guess your experience as a disabled person comes into that as well do you do you feel you're often seen only as a disabled woman so that you're kind of reduced to that label yeah for sure I think that's one of the reasons it took me so long to realize that I was also queer and um because I had internalized that I could only ever be like disabled um and plus I was a woman, for sure. I don't think I'm interested when there is a perception of me like that. I kind of just wash it off because what can you do really? I'm not here to prove myself. I know that. Uh, I am many more things than that and the people who matter to me know that as well and um, yeah I, I thought for a long time that I needed to prove myself that I needed to be this amazing artist when I was younger or this amazing writer and I needed to be the best because that would qualify me as as a writer because I'm disqualified because I'm disabled um and then people will start calling me a writer or whatever but people are going to think whatever they want to think no matter what like I could win a Nobel Prize and people might say I'm not doing enough 
or I could write win uh you know a poetry a coveted poetry award and people might say my poets poems are shit. Um they're gonna think whatever they wanna think. And they if they just wanna see me as a disabled woman then it's them that's missing out. Where do you feel that the strength and resilience comes from? Um, probably my foundation of being raised by parents who fully loved and accepted me for who I was and kind of encouraged me to just be myself and just be true to myself and genuine and not to live for other people's approval. I still get, I'm not a perfect person. I still get uh, sucked into that stuff sometimes. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'll be like, oh, I've done this. And the only reason I'm saying, oh, I've done this is because I want other people to be like, oh, well done. But actually, it makes me feel a bit icky whenever that happens. Mm. I've noticed. Um, the attention makes me feel icky. And so I've kind of moved from talking about my personal achievements, except from when they aid my professional future so I have to be a bit crafty with it but um to to talking more about other things because uh yeah the attention doesn't make me feel very good don't like it I guess what's next for for you what what have you got kind of in the works for the next year I am uh writing a book um i haven't said that anywhere yet because i'm not supposed to but <laughs> well I'm, I'm honored that that information is <laughs> uh, i won't i won't say anything else about it Amazing. um other than that so uh yeah so that's um gonna be a big thing for the next couple of years for me professionally and I'm really looking forward to, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm also looking forward to doing this body of work that actually decenters me. Um, whilst I am the one writing it, um, it's not, it's not all about me and I'm, I'm enjoying that aspect of it. Well, thank you so much, Cathy, uh, for coming on the podcast. Your dinner party was wonderful. I especially like the setting and the sound thank you those are my best part too <laughs> uh one final question that i always ask my guests what are you doing on an everyday basis in a small way to become a better feminist oh i've just rubbished feminism haven't i <laughs> <laughs> um i'm gonna be naughty and change your question a little bit okay to become a better person i'm go just gonna go go for it um something I do every day to become a better person I try to listen more for a long time I wasn't very good at listening I just wanted to speak and now I feel like I've spoken enough and I want to listen more and that's something I've been practicing like proper listening active listening um because there is so much to learn from other people and we don't know it all and Sometimes experiences can tell us that we, yeah, we might know everything about something, but then someone else can come in and be like, hey, what about this? 
and then you're like, oh, shit. And I feel like by listening as well, it's made me a bit more humble. Um, as I mentioned before, I've struggled in the past with uh, ego stuff. And, um, and when I struggled the most is when my ego was just taking over and I was, I was not listening to anybody. I was just doing my thing. Um, and that not having that balance, I think it's good to have a bit of ego and a bit of doing your thing, but you don't, nobody's perfect. And like, you don't get better as a person until you're ready to be humble and to listen and to be open to other things. Well, thank you so much, Cathy, for joining us today. Thank you for having me.